Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for Walt Disney Animation Studios' Wish. If you're trying to figure out just who you are, you're a star. Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast. My name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-free review for Walt Disney Animation Studios' Wish. Special thanks to our friends at Disney Canada for inviting us to watch this movie early for review. If you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, video games, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me for today's review, we have my very own merry band of misfits, First up, he's always making wishes, and he often does the dishes. He's Kevin, the King Magnifico Hudson. Uh, yeah, I feel like you've been spying on me doing my house chores because I am the the dish guru around the my dish house. master. Yes, <laughs> yes, uh, uh, I'm I'm quite good at it. Get me, if I was in the army, I would be the dishwasher for the army. I could handle a, yeah. a platoon of hundreds. <laughs> I could see you going around dancing on your tippy toes and being like, your dish has been granted uh, or something like that. Oh, <laughs> it work, so, right? Yeah. I need you in the back, back feeding me lines like that. <laughs> yes. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll write for you. Uh, but next up, she's pure magic, both with a wand and an Apple pencil. She's Megan, the magnificently cheerful chambers. Aww. Yeah, yeah. This, this really brought out the love for that Apple Pencil and the reason I picked <laughs> it up in the first place. As soon as we left the theater, you're like, okay, I'm going to draw this and I want to draw this character. I'm literally and... drawing that wishing star on everything. That yeah. is my new doodle. It's Let's just go. the little star. Let's go. Uh, and last but certainly not least, who knew his voice could get so low? He's <laughs> Darcy, the dashingly helpful Hudson. My voice is the farthest thing from low. <laughs> True. Jeez. I think you might have the highest voice on this episode right now. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, there you go. 100%. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but stoked to talk to you guys about this movie. Uh, you know, this movie celebrates 100 years of Disney animation uh, with the studio starting up on October 19, or October 16th, 1923. Um, so this is the 62nd I believe, feature film from the studio. Uh, so I want to ask, and this is a very tall question, but I think we have to in the, the hundredth year of Disney. We need to nail this down. Starting with Megan, what is your favorite Disney animated feature film? Whoa. This could possibly be the toughest question you've ever asked me. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I have a handful that I'm having a hard time narrowing down because they're all my favorites for different reasons mm -hmm. um but i'm only because i don't know if anybody else has this as their favorite movie i'm i'm going with the reason i fell in love with animation and art at, at such a young age was 101 dalmatians nice. that is my favorite art movie of all time <laughs> very cool yeah it's it's uh I think that's one of those ones that's just it, it, it always works. You can always go back oh. to it. Uh, and yeah, there's so many good characters. Uh, Darcy, how about yourself? 
mine I was has always been a very easy pick. When I was ever since I was a kid, I used to, always used to call myself Darcy Peter Pan, James Hudson, because <laughs> Peter Pan has always been my favorite movie and, and character. And I feel like I'm really doing him proud in the whole not growing up thing with the massive amount of toys I continuously con, uh, continue to collect. So yeah, you know, it's just Peter Pan all the way for me. I even have you can fly that here. So you know, you can fly. Your show. wallet can fly. Uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that's exactly it kevin what about yourself big guy uh, i agree with megan in that this is like the hardest imaginable question somebody could ask about movies it's like pick your favorite out of 66 <laughs> movies like it's still easier to pick your favorite marvel movie than it would be your favorite disney animated movie um yeah. and so i'm gonna cheat just a little and i won't go too in depth here with my answer but uh you know, seeing as Wish is kind of a blend of newer animation technology while paying homage to those older forms. Uh, if you're going for that hand-drawn classic Disney uh, look and style, uh, I would absolutely pick Hercules. Um, like the, the early mm. 90s are such a huge, strong period of incredible films for Disney. Uh, but Hercules is the one from my, my younger years uh, that, that really stood out for me. And then uh, you know, in the last 15 years or so, as they've switched over to the the more 3D animated style, uh, I, I love Tangled. Uh, I love everything about oh, yeah. it, from uh, the look of it to the music to incredible animal sidekicks. It was everything I wish Wish was. Oh, wow. Okay. Calm down, Magnifico. We'll get to that. Uh <laughs> Right now, we're just in celebration mode, okay? I think, um, you know, you mentioned it, Kevin. We're such huge fans of Disney and everything they've put out. Um, so it is a tough question. I think, you know, uh, Kevin, you and I have been obsessed with uh, the Disney trading card game Lorcana uh, lately. And I remember you asking me to name, like, just strictly name a bad Disney movie. And I don't think I was really able to give you uh, a clear answer. Um, I want to give a shout out to a very underrated Disney movie, which is The Fox and the Hound. Uh, oh. I think it's one of those ones that keeps things hard. It keeps it is. And it keeps it real back in the age of kids movies that kept things real. Uh, and I really appreciate it. I, I recognize that somehow when I was a little kid and I, I just love them so much. But I think my, my all time favorite Disney movie uh, is one that showed me just how incredible music is and i think that's another big aspect you know we talk about animation but but music and um especially music that i wasn't used to hearing growing up as a little kid in canada uh and that has to be the lion king i i just i understand that the story is just shakespeare with with big cats but there's just there's so much of that movie that is just forever ingrained in my childhood and i just i'll always adore it and i just it was an easy easy pick for me uh, much like darcy with his his peter pan um but with all that said uh, let's get to the synopsis for this movie. In Wish, Asha, a sharp-witted idealist, makes a wish so powerful that it is answered by a cosmic force, a little ball of boundless energy called Star. Together, Asha and Star confront a most formidable foe, the ruler of Rosas, King Magnifico, to save her community and prove that when the will of one courageous human connects with the magic of the stars, Wondrous Things Can Happen, featuring the voices of Academy Award-winning actor Ariana DeBose as Asha, Chris Pine as Magnifico, Alan Tudyk uh, as Asha's favorite goat, Valentino. Uh, the film is helmed by Oscar-winning director Chris Buck uh, and Fawn Vera Sunthorn uh, and will be in theaters Wednesday, November 22nd. We're going to talk about all the things that we liked 
and, and mention anything that maybe didn't work for us as we go through. But I do want to start off, I think, talking about uh, the visuals. I think that was the first thing that sort of came to your mind, Megan, uh, when you were mentioning you're talking about you know, sorry, your love of animation. Um, and I think, you know, when, when thinking about every aspect of this movie, my brain kept bouncing back and forth between two words. And Kevin, I think you might have already mentioned at least one of them is classic and fresh. Uh, the, the visuals in which I think they they celebrate everything that's come before, but they also embrace the look and the design of modern Disney animation and character design uh, like Tangled and Frozen and, and what have you. And I, I, I think, though, what's what's really different and I think some of the things that I would say is very fresh even beyond that is the sort of cell shaded nature uh, that the characters have. But at the same time, and, and Darcy, I think this was the first thing that you called out to me was the backgrounds just being that classic painterly, very still, very just like a painted canvas look. Uh, and I think they nailed the look of Rosas and the, the sort of nostalgia of the magic kingdom surrounded by forest. Um, yeah, I just I, I it's it's fantastic. Yeah, you you basically said it all for us there, Nate. Yeah, really, Thank, <laughs> was, thanks for doing the hard sorry, work. Sorry, I'm excited. <laughs> no, I'm excited. Okay, it was yeah. Darcy mentioned like watercolors, and that was such a cool part of why the movie looked so beautiful. Uh, the textures in the artwork, it's like you said that combination of old and new, classic and modern. It's nostalgic, but there's bits and pieces in the animation that remind me of movies like uh, Spider-Verse and Mitchell's versus Machines. Oh, like yeah. They're using this line art aspect to keep that as its own character on top of each character. And it's very smart of Disney to lean into that new form of animation. So I really, really enjoyed that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you mentioned like the cell shading too, and I think what really goes home is it's it's adding to that painterly feel where they feel like they're part of the background, but then you get that three D depth that we're used to from the modern Disney movies. And I think what I like even more is like you said the line work, the fact that even though these are three D characters, they still have that fine outline that you could easily draw as a two D character, just like those classic movies. So again, it was a very it's a marriage between that classic look with that new feel, and it it's done so well in this movie. Yeah, and I also want to just give a shout out to the design of uh, Star uh, in particular. I think where, you know, I I was watching and I'm like, Star doesn't look um, fuzzy. It almost looks, Star looks flocked, like kind of like a flocked Funko Pop. And I'm just like, that is not an easy thing to 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 create uh, in in front of your eyes in animation. I, I, I'm sure none of it's easy, but, but just the, <laughs> the aspect of the texture is just... It, it blew well, me away. I think it's such a cool, just to add on that, I think it's such a cool thing to notice because that's a very like illustration technique with texture, making mm -hmm. him look like fuzzy. There's no straight outline of his uh, body. That is something that draws me to illustration and to children's books. And I think to bring children's book illustration into a Disney movie is such a smart idea. So if that's where that came from, I bow down to the designers. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. And watch, watch stars, facial animations throughout the movie. Cause they are just hilarious. Uh, I think you guys are all, uh, you know, nailing it uh, in the sense that, um, you know, the animation and, and the look of this movie is the one area where I would have a hard time 
finding something to nitpick or complain about. I think uh, it is just such that really, really creative blend of old and new and, and bringing all of that, you know, not just the magic uh, within the story being told, but that Disney magic to life in the in this you know hundredth year it is a celebration of everything that's come before it and so i will give a huge kudos to uh you know all of the artists responsible for bringing it's it really was an ambitious uh goal to sort of find a way to blend those as seamlessly and and you know beautifully uh like they did a hundred percent absolutely yeah um and i think the sort of the the other aspect to a phenomenal Disney movie, and, and I kind of brought it up when I mentioned Lion King, uh, is the music. And I think, uh, you know, like in a lot of Disney animation, you know, uh, films, it's the heart of this movie. The music, there, there's so, there's a lot of it in this film. Uh, and I think like in Canto, um, you know, we're getting a lot of songs throughout the 95-minute runtime, but they also effortlessly sort of flow along with the story it never to me at least i never felt like a song was out of place i think the song started up and i'm like yep that that totally makes sense for me see and now i'm gonna jump in as mr negative right off the bat here i won't even let people <laughs> talk uh you know their positives on the music i that that's where this movie kind of lost me the most i think was the music it, it seemed like Every five minutes as we were learning about these characters, as the story was developing, it was like, and cue a song right here, and we're going to give you exposition on these characters and what's happening in the story through song. It didn't it didn't feel organic. It was like, it's like mm. they stopped the movie and inserted a song every five or six minutes. And there's one in particular with, with Chris Pine uh, and Ariana, uh, their first sort of duet together. And I just... It's it was the cringiest moment I've seen in oh, a no. Disney oh. movie in some time. It, you know, Chris has a great song later on in the movie. Fantastic, fantastic sort of uh, villain song, if you will. But this moment earlier on, it was just so over the top cheesy that like I wanted to laugh in all the wrong ways at what was happening. His expressions and his movements. It just it it came off cheesy to me, but. I, I don't think that was the the general consensus with the rest of the group I was with. <laughs> it's just funny that all the things you're saying about, you know, the expository nature of the songs in this film and how they they feel out of place or forced just to get move the story along. Those are all the same things that, that me and Justin were saying in our in our Canto review. And since, you know, that review, I've watched in Canto again and, and I've grown to love those songs. So maybe it's. I don't know if it's something like that, but to me, I found this song, like the, these songs in this movie, were so unique and fresh, and they didn't feel like a typical song. Maybe because it wasn't Lin Manuel Miranda for for once, but uh, it was so delightful to have this new style of songs brought into the Disney umbrella of you know storytelling through songs. So I really enjoyed it. Well, you know, and you mentioned Lin Manuel uh, and Encanto, and I think there is some comparisons to be made. Again, we're we're seeing the 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 modern look of the character design, and and I think this is a, a new age of Disney music. But I think at the same time, like you know, you've you've got a very you know tight window, a short run time. You have to get a lot of information out to the audience as quick as possible uh, about the Kingdom of Rosas and the, its background and and their ruler and what have you. Uh, and I I went back and I, as I was sort of like thinking about the music in this. And I looked at songs like uh, Just Can't Wait to Be King or Out There, specifically from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And 
you know, the lyrics and the tempo in those songs do the same thing, to be honest with you. And I think this, I think that's where for me, I can forgive a little bit of the, the sort of slightly cringy nature of like talk singing at times in some, in, in some of the songs that maybe weren't my favorite uh, in this soundtrack um, because it, it, it still fits the mold of what this movie is trying to accomplish. It's trying to be the, the celebration of classic while introducing or continuing on the fresh stuff that maybe today's younger audiences are more accustomed to. So, you know, somebody coming straight off of Encanto, Tangled and Moana, they might feel right at home with this while still getting to sort of uh, learn about and appreciate some of the, the Disney history, if that makes sense. Does that kind of, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, I understand where you're coming from, Kevin, on that particular song. I forgot about it, to be honest with you. And then you mentioned it. I was like, oh, yeah. I do remember that feeling a little strange. The lyrics being feeling kind of strange gave me a uh, essence of like, this is love from Cinderella. Even though that's a beautiful song, it is just like not really about anything, if that right. makes mm-hmm. sense. Um but I like half a verse into that villain song, and I was already oh, like jamming, she was bouncing, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, there's a really powerful song nearing the end. It's not the end, but the like come together song yeah. is is so powerful and so exciting and so different from any Disney movie I've ever listened to the music to. Um, Julia Michaels and Benjamin Rice do an absolutely outstanding job creating this music. I love almost every single song. And I also don't think that there's a single Disney movie out there that you, you probably skip like one song on the soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's always going to be a, a few, right? I think Irina DeBose's voice is just magical. Like I was just, I, it was the first thing I mentioned to you, Megan, after the movie finished. I was like, I couldn't yeah. stop getting chills every time she would sing. Uh, and it just showcases... She, she just her intonation just such a good job of showcasing like Ash's despair or her drive uh, through the songs. Um, and I just I, I, I loved it so much. Yeah, the film really is bookended by two incredible performances by Ariana. And I just kind of found every every other song, all 27 of them or or so it felt like at times, <laughs> you know, very hit and miss. And so, you know, it just it wasn't that like banger after banger after banger sort of Disney movie, you know, music that I'm I'm sort of accustomed to. At least the songs didn't resonate with me. And that's, you know, that's the beautiful beautiful thing about any movie is that people are going to connect to different songs and different messages in their own way. And I think that some of the songs kind of nailed what they were going for, but maybe just didn't quite hit the potential of what I saw those moments being. Um, especially anything sort of focused more on humor, which was an issue I had with the whole movie. Um, and so maybe I just, I, I think maybe elements throughout the movie that were bothering me sort of spilled over into everything. And so I'm like, well, I didn't like that part. So I also don't like that part. Like I'm trying, I'm trying as I've been thinking about the movie since we've seen it to really separate. So I can be fair to the different elements. A hundred percent. No. And I think that makes sense. And I think again, like 
I, I, much like Darcy, you know, I know, Kevin, you had mentioned when we came out and we were kind of talking a little bit about the music and you had mentioned you really enjoyed Encanto. And I know for, for Darcy and Megan and I, like we were, we weren't as hot on Encanto if you go back and listen to that review. Uh, and we've definitely come around to it, I think, as we've sort of taken the time to listen to it more and more and sort of understand the movie a little bit better. And I'm wondering if maybe, uh, you know, another viewing, and I'm sure, you, you know, maybe you might take, uh, take your little one to see this this uh this this new disney movie or she'll probably see it at some point but um you know you talked about all the different elements i can't leave out uh a shout out to dave metzger uh for the score part of this movie i think there's such a nostalgic vintage disney feeling to it in in a lot of the moments um there's like a sort of a big moment where asha sort of has to run away and you can really hear it there um but then also there's like subtle elements um where Dave worked in uh, When You Wish Upon a Star into Star's theme. And so Star, when when Star's sort of introduced and bouncing around, there's just little, little tiny touches of When You Wish Upon a Star. And I was just like, oh, that was just one of the little moments that just kept me smiling so much, especially as a big music fan. It was just so good. Um, but, you know, we talked about the, the, the musical performances. Let's kind of get into the overall performances, the, the character performances uh, of these characters. And I think I want to start with Ariana DeBose. Uh, again, I can't stop talking about her. I'm sorry. But let's just welcome to the Ariana DeBose fan cast uh, starring me. Um, <laughs> she is she's perfect as Asha. And I, I think she's immediately charming. I love how she. Again, she embodies what this movie's going for. She's a classic Disney character, and she's got the classic like musical chops. But at the same time, she falls in line with Rapunzel or Anna, and she's she's a little more youthful. Even there's there's elements to her character that I'm noticing, like more modern reactions of of audiences who are coming into this movie and who will grow up with this movie will see themselves in her even more because of the way she's animated and the way that Ariana sort of does the, the way she does her voice and i think my favorite thing about asha in this movie is her determination she 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 never once wavers from both both what she wants and what's right and i think that's it, it's massively important in your your heroes for for today's modern audiences Absolutely. I agree with her uh, personality being very reminiscent of our more recent Disney princesses. I think the modern Disney princess is very much adorkable. They're <laughs> yeah. all a little goofy and quirky. For and sure. it's, it's easier to to see yourself in a princess like that because we're all human. We all make mistakes. We're not perfect. And mm -hmm. I think that's a great avenue that they've taken with their Disney princesses. Also, she's not a princess, so technically we're we don't label her that way. But right. um I think she was amazing. Her voice, like you said, is chilling in the best way possible. And she was the absolute perfect person to lead this whole cast. Yeah, she's she's absolutely tremendous. Probably my favorite uh, part of the whole movie was her performance, both from a singing and just, you know, um, voice acting perspective. But I do find it weird. And I, I'll probably talk about this a bit more as I give my sort of final summary on the whole on the movie as a whole. But I do find it weird that in a movie that's supposed to be celebrating 100 years of Disney, our main female character isn't a princess. She isn't that doesn't fit into that princess mold. And I do find that kind of odd. It's just one of a thousand missed opportunities with this movie that 
I mean, I, you don't want to just tell the same story that we've seen 60 times over the last 100 years. But I, I just I don't know where Asha's character fits into that lineage of the Disney princesses, given you know who she is from a character standpoint. So I just I just found that really odd. And it sort of bugged me the whole time that she wasn't that traditional um, princess. And I don't mean being a damsel in distress or anything like that. I love the spin on the modern Disney princess. But yeah, that's just a little nitpick that I was like, but she's not a princess in any way, shape or form. So that did just bug me a little. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I think though it, it's it, to me, I, I, it just continues the, and I, we're going to, I'm going to say it like 5 million times, I guess, but <laughs> like it just continues the, the, the modern and the classic. Right. And I think there are elements to her character that we will not spoil that do fall into a classic character trope, uh, which was intriguing. And, and I think that was maybe where they might save something like that for you. Uh, Kevin, I think um, a phenomenal, um, you know, if you're thinking about something that does reign true and is very classic one note character, uh, it's got to be our villain with Chris Pine. I think, you know, somewhere in the back of my mind, I forgot this man can sing and Ugh. Oh, he's great as Magnifico. Before I, before you, you've always remembered. Before I, I, I spill my beans on him. Would anyone else like to jump in and talk about Chris Pine in this movie? I mean, like you said, he he absolutely nails it as the one note villain, which is the trope that you know Disney is known for. But when they do it well, it's a villain you can love, and you you end up loving this guy again. His his big villain number, like Kevin mentioned earlier, is one of the standout songs and so, moments yeah. from the movie, and it, it's. It's something that, you know, during one of the, the park's fireworks shows, like a lot of these songs, I could feel like you can see the how they're going to script the fireworks or use the projections to revisit this story. And, and then his his songs are always going to be really fun to go back to, I think. So he did a great job and being that that villain who's obsessed with power and and how he will you know taint the magic just to get more sort like more powerful. I love it. He did a great job. Yeah, he Chris Pine brings his very own wit, charm, effervescence to this character. He is so like s sort of scene stealing, but also uh, like a great actor to play with in these scenes with Ariana DeBose. Um, and also, uh, I don't know the actor's name that played Amaya, his wife, uh, the queen, but he plays this fantastic self-centered like I only care about myself look how handsome I am in the mirror kind of villain and we've seen that a million times but also he brings a fresh approach to that and I'll just like it's plays along with the performance but I will add that the character design of him specifically falls under those villain tropes as well. There were so many angular moments that you see. The more evil he gets, the more angular his character looks, mm, yeah. which is very much a like evil villain kind of art style. So that was fun to point out the longer or the more he dealt with the like darker side of things the pointier his beard got and the pointier his nose got and the more he was in profile, which I thought was so cool. And for sure they used Chris Pine's like face while doing the performance in the booth. I think they used it. that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Angelique uh, Cabral uh, plays Amaya and she gets a really fantastic moment in this movie as well. Um, that was just kind of like a, like a 
you know, fist pumping in the air, like, ah, let's go kind of moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, th- this is the thanks I get reminded me a lot of You're Welcome. Uh, and I, I, I love it for that. I think it's a more nefarious version. I think you can tell Chris Pine is just having such a such a fantastic time in this role. And I think I, I think the only thing that I, I, I will I noticed was, um, you know, we're obviously talking about him as a villain. So it, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there's a heel turn at, at a certain point uh, in his relationship with Asha. For me, I felt that it did come a bit too quickly. I, yeah. I, I think I would have liked them to sort of linger a little longer on the mystery of his character. Um, I think they just sort of jumped at it. Um, but that would be the only criticism I have for for King Magnifico, I think. And I mean, with a shorter runtime, they do they did have to sort of rush things along. And and I and I do appreciate that this was such a, a quick, concise story. They didn't waste any time. But I will agree that this I love you using some wrestling uh, terminology here. The heel turn did it. It didn't feel <laughs> quite as organic as it could have with just a bit more reasoning behind this turn. He went from. Yeah you know, this terrific, incredible man that everyone, including his wife, absolutely loved to, like, this awful, horrible, uh, you know, uh, powerful being that needed to be stopped. And everyone, everyone was just like, yeah, he's awful. Let's get, you know, it it, it did it did sort of come off a bit like, whoa, that was fast. You know, these a people, too fast. They, they turned on him real quick. And, and he <laughs> just instantly made the decision. Like, it's like he woke up one day, had a shitty day. The coffee wasn't very good. You know that the 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 royal kitchen <laughs> served him, and he was just like, "No, I'm that's it. I'm pissed off." Yeah, his his the cookies of his face crumbled. Um, the other performance I just want to highlight before we kind of move to to move on would be uh, Alan Tudyk. I think just brings the smiles as Valentino. I think he's so cute. He's so dumb. Um, at times, he's kind of almost on his own adventure uh, in this movie. And I think I think in Valentino's head. He thinks he's the main character of this story. Agreed. <laughs> right? He's just, he's so much fun. And I think, I think, you know, it, it's awesome that we finally, we get to see Alan Tudyk in an animal companion role where we get to actually hear his voice. You know, I think he's, he's done a lot of squawks and squeaks and weird animal noises. And I'm not putting those performances down by any means. Those are just as difficult, if not sometimes more difficult to pull off. But it's nice to hear his voice and hear how low it can go. <laughs> See, and here, here he comes, uh, negative Kevin. Oh, no. King that, Magnifico. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm swooping in here on Valentino. Uh, maybe my least favorite part of the movie, or at least the most disappointing. I just, you know, Ouch. Disney is so famous for these memorable, incredible, iconic animal sidekick characters. And they capture your heart. They, they steal the scenes, and they never say anything. And here, they finally sort of twist that trope on its head and have this talking character and anything he said just wasn't that funny. Like my butt did that, which is something from the, the, the trailer. Just, it isn't that funny, you know, like, you know, you've got Magnus sure to in, you. in, in, <laughs> entangled. Like this is a, yeah. a, a funny horse who can snort and clop his, his feet funny. And, and he's, he's funnier than anything that I found Valentino said. I just, didn't find the humor in the character. And and I was so excited to, to know that Alan Tudyk was in this, in this kind of right. role. And I thought the character had so much potential, but for me, it just didn't resonate. 
Okay, okay. That's fair. I mean, I don't think any of us agree, but that's okay. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not sitting here pretending that I'm right. I'm just expressing. No, no, no. For sure. For me, I just didn't find that the humor registered. I don't know. I don't know what it was yeah. that was missing for me from the performance. I just, the potential for this talking goat character just seemed like it, 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 was, it was such a richer playing field that they didn't utilize. I think it's difficult when you have a movie that is celebrating the 100 years of Disney to not constantly compare it, obviously, like we've been doing already, to everything that came before. So I 100%, Kevin, like, I I can't go on the record and say that Valentino is going to be, like, my number one animal sidekick, Um, but I still got chuckles all the way through. I don't know. I don't know for me, yeah. Yeah, I I definitely laughed at all the really stupid lines he said. Um, but I also think I'll agree with you on the fact that the lines he did say that were funny or got the laugh were already in the trailer. Pretty much all so of them. Don't do we that. Kind anymore. of already yeah. knew that was coming, so it got it got me giggling, but it wasn't as maybe surprising as I would have found it. Um, but I think it's so funny and a testament to Alan Tudyk's talent. I was listening to Valentino going, who is that? I have heard that voice before. Where yeah. have I heard that voice? And then, Nate, you're the one who were like, that's Alan Tudyk's character. And I was like, well, th- I thought he was the same guy who played uh, Duke of Wesselton in yep. Frozen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. <laughs> I He is a phenomenal voice actor, as we all know. The fact that he's played Hey Hey, he played Tuk Tuk, he's now played uh, Valentino and so many other characters. Just like I bow down to him and his expertise. <laughs> Good or bad, I still think it's amazing. <laughs> For sure. Um, I think let's kind of get into the final part of what, we're, what we want to talk about. And I think obviously, you know, Disney movies, the the the, you know, the music, the visuals, uh, the performances, but of course the story, uh, I think is always uh, an important aspect. And I think the message is always a really important aspect of these Disney movies, especially when you grow up, right? When you're a little kid, it's it's fun to see little goats rubbing their butts on stuff and, <laughs> and laughing along. But there, to a certain degree, once you grow up, you have to sort of look at the bigger picture. And I think, I think the story is where. Um, audiences will be mixed i think it it definitely uh plays it safe uh i would say i think the messaging of staying true to yourself and taking your future into your own hands is incredibly important for anyone no matter whether you're 17 or turning 100 years old i think it's something we should always strive for and continue to strive for um but i do think though that there are going to be people people that appreciate the effort for keeping things classic in a simple way and then I can also see that simplicity not being enough for some folks who aren't overtly wooed by the music of this movie. I think there's going to be moments where I know for myself, and I, again, I think it was that little moment of the the heel turn of the villain where I just was, I was a little distracted in that moment. Just the, the movie side of my brain came in and kicked in and kicked the door open for my lovely Disney side of my brain and said, hey, uh, that was too quick narratively. <laughs> so, so I think there are aspects about it that are going to distract certain audiences. Yeah, I totally agree. The story is where this this movie kind of uh, suffers, in my opinion, because it is so one note. It's not breaking any boundaries. It's not trying to reinvent the wheel like they did with the animation and, and a lot of the music being so against 
the the norm for what Disney's uh, known for producing. But the thing that will stand out is the message, you know, the, the importance of a personal wish and what that means to you as you grow up and, and go about your daily life. So I, again, the message is great, but the way that the story delivers it is a bit, you know, again, rushed at times or just, again, falls into that too simple or easy out Disney trope where it's just like you could have you could have had fun with that and changed it a bit up or you know even paid homage to that where you're you're poking fun at the fact that it is this easy out all the time or something like that mm. so yeah the story the story is where it kind of uh, falters a bit for me yeah I can understand that um it's definitely the simple route compared to some of the Disney movies we've gotten with certain themes being a little deeper than this one but I also think that it's relatable on so many different levels for the the ability to take control of your destiny and how you want to reach your wishes and dreams. And I think we've also all been that person who had a wish that was crushed by somebody else taking control of that wish. So mm. I think the message being simple isn't always a bad thing. And I'm not saying that you think it's bad, but like for other people out there going to see this movie, maybe don't put too much pressure on it being a, a simple story because I think simplicity is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it is so classic Disney. And I think uh, for anyone uh, like myself who has found maybe in the last 10 years that some of the messages have been a bit heavy handed with the movies or very, very specific. Like if you are this type of person with this going on in your life, then this movie is going to resonate with you mm. very specifically. This is a very broad idea. It kind of reaches out to everyone. And so that I could appreciate from this movie is that they kept it very classic in that anyone can sort of put themselves in those shoes and understand what this sort of means to them and then take it and make it personal to themselves. I kind of appreciated that they didn't try to tell you exactly how to feel and, and what to feel and, 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 and try and change maybe some, a way that you think about the world around you. This is a, a, a simple message for anybody of any age watching. And so for, for me, that kind of worked. Nice. Oh, okay. We're swinging back around. <laughs> the, it, it, nature is healing. Um, I think uh, I think it's 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 the hundred year celebration of Disney animation. So like you mentioned, Megan, people are going to come into this if they know that that's their expectation. And that is a very heavy, lofty expectation. So I think that's where the story, I think the simplistic elements might not fully work uh, for some people. I will say I was one of the people who was wooed enough by the music and the visuals that I was just like, oh, Ariana, just keep singing. <laughs> I also think something that will woo people in good ways and bad ways is the amount of Easter eggs yes. in this movie is insane whether they're like super subtle and exactly what I wanted out of an Easter egg or they're like kind of cheesy or they're really obvious and the movie is slapping you across the face with Disney Easter eggs. It's all still really enjoyable. <laughs> well, I, I yes, I think maybe for yourself, there were certain <laughs> aspects. Some of, are too much. <laughs> some are too much. And I think yeah. near the end of the film, there's literally characters that are just saying the reference that's yeah. literally the dialogue. And at that point we're, we're all kind of like, okay, cool. Calm down, Disney. Like, you know, but I think, I think 
that is for the people who are newer to Disney, who maybe have recently seen uh, movies like Snow White or or Peter Pan, right? Um, but I think the the subtle elements that you're talking about, Megan, or even the elements that sort of add to the Disney canon as a whole, that was very surprising for me. And I, I think those were the elements that I like. I was like, ooh, as a as a big geek, as a big like sort of Marvel geek or Star Wars geek where we like to chew and theorize on stuff, immediately I turned to Darcy and I'm like, okay, this is what this means. Okay, this is what that's gonna mean. And he's like, no, 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 that takes place before that. And I was like, yo, you're right. Okay. Like it's so much fun. And I think I think that's such a I think as far as a celebration of a hundred years of this studio and all these stories uh that have that take place after this, but have come before it. Um, I think it, it, it totally nails uh, that element. Mm -hmm. It's like, again, it's funny how at first something will be, seems subtle and like the way that they're handling Easter eggs are very subtle and it's, it's tasteful. And you're like, Oh, I love, I can appreciate that. But by the end of the movie, the fact that it's a joke or something they keep going back to, it's like, okay, now it's getting a bit heavy handed and you're kind of dropping the ball. It's, it's, it's weird how they, kind of ride that line where it's like you like it at one point and then the next time you see it you're like oh never mind you're, you're really trying to shove it down my throat and it's like i get it it's it's weird how they couldn't kind of find a balance between the, the in your face and the subtle it was always back and forth between the two but again it's fun if you want to look for easter eggs totally totally or if you just want them given to you at the end of the movie um but let's <laughs> <laughs> oh and, and sorry one last thing stay to the end of the credits if you want to be absolutely oh. destroyed if you want your heart to just be completely cracked and your your eyeballs to just fill up. Uh, wait till the end credits because it's just it's more it's than really worth it. mean what they did. <laughs> it's so mean. And I'm just I'm tearing up thinking about it. It's so lovely. It's definitely worth staying around for. Uh, and I thought it was beautiful. It, it is a, a tearjerker and a heartbreaker, but it, it's really nicely done and, and kind of a perfect sort of bookend for the movie. 100%. Uh, let's get to our final thoughts and rating for this movie, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five wishing stars. Uh, King Magnifico, I'm going to get you to kick us off. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Let me uh, vent and, and get this <laughs> off my chest, and then you guys can... Uh... We'll uh, end on a happy note. End yeah. on a high note, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and and uh, I think a lot of my issues stem from what you guys were just talking about, which is why I kind of sat back uh, and and reserved my thoughts for now. Um, I I wanted more. If this was just a movie that came out in the 99th year of Disney animation as a standalone film, in that regard, it might have worked more. But this is kind of being touted as that celebration of a hundred years, and if it is. Go for it, man. Like every inch of this movie, I wanted dripping with Disney nostalgia. Like right from the fact that we have a magical kingdom that this movie is taking place in. Why wasn't it our magic kingdom? Make the castle mm. look like the castle you see at the opening of every Disney movie for 100 years. That's such an easy thing to do. And it would have been so cool to finally see a movie taking place in that castle. Like and and then you know she's got uh, some friends of hers that tag along for this adventure, and that is one of those like nail on the head in your face. Like this is a clear homage to something. Do that for the whole movie. I'm talking songs dripping with musical references to past songs. I wanted this thing littered everywhere. I wanted. An, an, an homage to all 66 of those movies you mentioned at the top of the show. Something <laughs> for every fan of every movie could have been placed here. And mm. one of the ways that they give you one of the very subtle Easter eggs is in the really cool visualization of the wishes that we see at one point. All of those wishes could have been 
that chance to show like every character whose whose wishes and dreams you see could have been that homage to a past movie. Like there were so many opportunities and I was just left wanting for those so much more than what we got. And so I think that's a lot of where my disappointment comes from. And so again, when I rewatch this movie and I and I go in knowing what to expect and 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 viewing it as a singular entity uh, as a movie that just happened to come out on the 100th anniversary, I think I'll enjoy it a lot more than I did sort of expecting more. I mean, you have a movie about wishing on stars and they barely, barely even thematically touch that idea through music. No, man, slap me in the face with when you wish upon a star as fireworks are shooting over the castle like i think that sort of clarifies where i'm coming from in my disappointment with the movie in terms of what i'm looking for and so if that's not what you want out of this movie i think you'll have a far better chance to enjoy yourself uh but needless to say i did not love this movie and that's why and this is going to sound harsh uh i just wish that it gave me so much more of those things so i'm going to have to sit at a 2.5 out of 5 wishing stars. Ouch. <laughs> All righty. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, we've we've had the heel turn. We thought there was a point for redemption. We've gone through the whole villain arc and I love it. I love it. Uh, we're going <laughs> to we're going to send it over to uh Darcy. Darcy, what did you uh, what were your final thoughts for this film? The, the happier Hudson will take it from here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I came out of this movie really, really enjoying it. Again, there the story is where I had some issues because it was so simple and some parts moved along a bit too quickly. But again, you're, the the music and the visuals were enough for me to to enjoy it. And again, I, I did laugh at a lot of the Valentino's jokes. I hadn't watched many of the trailers, so I hadn't had those, those punchlines spoiled for me. So it was really enjoyable. And again, the music is... There are some standout numbers that I get. I already can visualize how they're going to be worked into future fireworks performances on the castle with projections and stuff. So again, this this whole movie is really fun. If you're a Disney fan, you'll be able to find those Easter eggs if you're looking for them. And I do agree, they weren't they weren't as heavy handed. But I don't know if it, this movie would have worked if they were so heavy handed, because then it'd be it'd be too self referential. I like how this is supposed to come before everything, and you can kind of see that where where these interactions with this star may lead to where what wishes he's granting in the future. And I, I do really appreciate that. So I'll be giving this one four out of five wishing stars. There you go. Okay. Uh, Megan, how about yourself? Oh, get ready. So <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We were talking about music and how this one seems to have so many more musical breaks than some of our classic, like golden era Disney movies. And honestly, I think that's one of the things I loved so much about it. It was, it was truly a musical and it reignited a spark in me that initially had me falling in love with animation, illustration, and Disney at a really young age. This reignited that in me and I felt so many things while watching this movie. I laughed. I had tears in my eyes. I felt fear for these characters and nervousness when looking at this villain I was elated and I related to the characters and I fantasized about dreaming of my own wish like it really <laughs> made me a kid again which is so much fun and I mean from the backgrounds the character design and the art style the poetic and beautiful music and vocals and lyrics this film gave me everything that I could have hoped for personally in a Disney movie to pay homage to Disney movies. There's a turtle 
and there's a mushroom and there's a mouse. Not That's not the mouse that you're thinking, but there's a mouse <laughs> and so many more little things to pick out in this movie that makes it so much fun to watch. And I'm going to watch it again and again and again. And because of that, I'm giving this a five out of five wishing stars. Wow. It's everything you wished for, I guess you could say. Uh, <clears throat> well... <laughs> Uh, it, I'm going to say this 2023, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it. Okay. This is me putting the hammer down. It is the best year for animation. Uh, I think that we've had in a very long time. And I think this is an excellent addition to the lineup we've had so far. And I think it's an excellent addition to the Disney vault, uh, the, 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 their animation and their storytelling. I think from the opening title showing, I loved seeing it says a, a Walt Disney feature production in like this really old style font and it just I think it just again, it celebrates so much of that classic Disney storytelling, animation and music uh, that we've gotten before. While at the same time, delivering a, a fresh message of inner strength and hope and never giving up on your dreams. And it's it's just it's full of heart. And you hear it in the performances from this entire cast. Uh, Ariana DeBose is just incredible and she'll continue to be incredible. Uh, and I, I think I think this the, the, the only thing is, is the story leans into that classic simple tale style of storytelling that is going to work for some who see it as an homage to to the classics but then for some others as we've discussed it's not going to be enough and there's there's not going to be enough of maybe that that disneyness uh that that some people are looking for and i i I can i can see that and i also think on the movie brain side of me there are certain moments narratively that i'm just like oh, i would have loved that to be explored a little bit longer um but I had a great time. I was smiling. I was giggling at Valentino and Star and Asha on her adventure. Uh, so I'm really happy to give Wish a solid four out of five wishing stars. Uh, but that is it for this spoiler-free review of Wish. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this movie or any of the movies or series that we cover, uh, well, I'm going to make a wish that Megan can let you know how you can reach us. You can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if you wish, you can find us on the app formerly known as Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Oh, man, my wish came true. I'd, <laughs> it's too I'd, many. It's too I'd many. also <laughs> wish that you would join our Discord. At this point, it's like a drinking game. You know what I mean? Like, just take a shot for every time we say the word wish. I wish you would join our Discord. We've got some great conversations going on uh, there about all the shows and movies we cover. So you can you can check that out by joining through the link in our description. Uh, keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes uh, covering recent releases with our spoiler-free reviews for Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, Next Goal Wins, The Hunger Games, A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, The Marvels, uh, the Netflix series Blue Eye Samurai, Invincible Season 2 Part 1, and David Fincher's The Killer. Uh, we've also got some great interviews out now, like our most recent interview with the team behind Legacy of uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters, uh, including director Matt Shackman, where Justin actually uh, not only talks about the rock star nature of Godzilla, but asks Matt about the Fantastic Four. Um, so that's definitely one to check out. Uh, and if you're, you know, if you if you're wishing uh, for even more interviews, um, we've got some interviews coming up. Uh, for instance, we have our interview coming up with director Fawn Virasen Thorn uh, and producer uh, Peter Del Vecho. 
uh, who uh, Justin had the chance to sit down with uh, and kind of really just talk to them about their experiences and, and sort of the some of the movies that they grew up with that inspired uh, this film. Uh, and uh, and we might have yet another uh, interview coming up. We'll see. We'll see. You just have to keep wishing. Uh, so check out all those interviews uh, either here on your podcast service of choice or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Megan, Kevin, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this wishful spoiler-free review. And as we say, love ya. Laters. Bye. Get home safe, guys.